Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Hollywood's depiction of pirates, swashbucklers, and buccaneers is often glamorized and fictionalized to the point where it's difficult to differentiate between villain and hero. The history of and reality of pirates is often much more obvious, but no less thrilling or entertaining. Enter into today's episode arguably the most successful, but least known pirate to sail the seven seas. His exploits would net him an estimated tens of millions of dollars in stolen treasure, make him the most wanted outlaw of the British crown, and inspire countless stories, books, and plays. And now, his exploits will have inspired a podcast. The story behind the pirate whose life not only sounds like a Hollywood script, but actually was. Pour yourself a cup of coffee as we sail the seven seas on this episode of the Missing Chapter Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Missing Chapter Podcast. I am Phil Schaff. I am sitting here with Phil Horner and a lovely cup of coffee from Utica Coffee Roasting Company. It's a single origin. It's from Guatemala. It's caramel. It's chocolate. It's a bit nutty. And it's amazing. It's one of those yeah. days. It's uh, early February. This will be aired in a, a few weeks. Um, we're in the doldrums of winter. It's actually Groundhog Day. It is Groundhog it's Day Groundhog currently. Day. Yeah, uh, we yeah were... I believe this airs at the, the one of the last days of, of February. So we have not yet heard if we are getting six more weeks of winter or not. Yeah. Um, if it's anything in, in Pennsylvania, if it's anything like like it is in New York, I, I haven't seen my shadow in a good. I don't know. We six haven't months. seen the sun <laughs> in what seems like, I mean, forever. <laughs> we, it's just it's just gray. And dreary where we are. Hopefully, you guys in upstate New York have, uh, and anybody in the Northeast has invested in some vitamin D yeah. uh, supplements because we haven't had any sort of supplementation like from the think, sun in a while. I'd like to think, and we're going to talk about how many downloads we've had in a little over three and a half seasons. I'd like to think someone's listening to us maybe on a warm tropical beach somewhere. Oh, that'd be great. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Turks and Caicos. Anybody listening <laughs> we'll just, to Turks and Caicos? We'll live vicariously through whoever that listener is. At a Sandals resort, oh. huh? Huh? Sounds oh, good to me. Man. All right. We just we had like a three-second delay there because we were dreaming. Bear with us. We'll get to a story eventually. Yeah. Um, so listen, we, we got to fill in the listeners. We were just talking off air. We are less than about 2,500 listens away from 100K. 100,000, which is really boggles my mind i mean we've been doing this we're in season four but it's been a little over three and a half years since we started out on this venture and um a hundred thousand is i mean when we hit that i I think that's um that's something i'm uh, that that's going to be a little bit emotional for me yeah yeah for sure it's a lot it's a lot of work it's a lot of time that we've done but we've had so much fun our listeners have heard us laugh on air, yeah. Uh, stumble on air, sure. Get a little mixed up on air, yeah. Maybe they're gonna hear us cry on air. I don't know. I don't know. I um, don't know. Stay tuned. Yeah, but a hundred thousand downloads, uh, and and it's not just because, as we were jokingly saying, it's not just because you know our relatives are just right tapping away at, at the episodes. I go to bed at and night and I, ju- and I just start the missing chapter and I let it play all through the night <laughs> to get as many downloads as possible. We're not doing that. No, not at all. But seventy-five countries. 
um, all 50 states, territories, it's just very, very humbling. So we yeah. wanted to start the episode in thanking all the listeners. Um, I, I mean, we're getting texts from, from people that are, are just stumbling upon the episodes from fa- friends and family of ours. It's just very, very, I just, the word I keep going back to, it's very humbling. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think one of the, the best things, there are two things that I really enjoy. It's one, hearing from former students who yep. feel like they're still making a connection with us and, and you know, reminiscing about our classes because they're able to listen to our podcast. And then you have people that we, we haven't met who say, you know what, I, I work a 12-hour shift or I drive a truck and I like listening to your podcast. It's entertaining, it's educational, and it helps pass the time. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool to think. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I never thought when I first started my teaching career that people yeah. would be listening to me. Uh, you know, around the globe, it's 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 yeah, pretty it's cool. incredible, yep. and it, in the in the most literal sense, it is unbelievable. I, it's hard to fathom that someone in you know we have a lot of listeners in California, our second most listened yeah. to state. So it, very very amazing um, statistics coming at you here. Right. So and we'll you know keep what, it posted Phil, too. At, at, at the very core, it's about a shared love and appreciation for history yeah and that's cool too which is and what our original mission statement was is like you know let's make history cool again let's let's entertain ourselves but at the same time share and, and bring some publicity to people who throughout the you know the timeline of history have been kind of left out and what makes the underdog stories underdog movies so popular right it's because people can relate to it 100 percent. so when we look at at the almost 200 episodes we've done for the past few seasons there, there's an element of like, hey, we, we want to talk about history's greatest events, but mm-hmm. the unknown stories, it's usually people you never heard of. Right. And that's right. something that it, everyone loves a good underdog story. So, And I'm guessing people have not heard of the, of the individual I'm going to um, talk about today. And I kind of wanted to get your take on this, Phil. What is it about throughout literature and movies and music? We've glamorized pirates. Because... Pirates are criminals, right? They're, Correct. They're thieves. They, you know, if you look at most pirates, these are not people that y- we should be necessarily um, admiring. Yeah. Um, but I think we kind of look at pirates as being, for lack of a better phrase, like good guys. Well, I think it's popularized by by the pirates of the Caribbean. You know, and mm-hmm. um, I were you ever a, a fan of that of that movie? I, you know, I love the ride at Disney World. I never really got into the movie itself. You know, I think of like pirates and, and the way Disney, you know, portrayed them in their early like cartoons and things like that. It was always kind of fun to be a pirate. I immediately um, go back to my childhood. We just mentioned the ride. Yeah. It was, to me, as a young kid, I was like seven at the time. I did like fast rides and went mm-hmm. down that little. Oh, yeah. In the it, dark. It terrified me in the sure. dark. And then I did it again this past summer and had all these. I was like 39 years old going yeah. down this thing terrified because I'm like, oh, my God, I got PTSD from the last time I was on this thing in 1991. Right. But, uh, no, that's a really good point, though. How, how can pirates be popularized? And I, I go back to just a couple of years ago, uh, Captain Phillips. Yeah. You know, that's oh, a very different take on, on the Somali pirates is a very different understanding of what a pirate actually is. You know, small ships taking over these gargantuan cargo ships. But what is it about this episode today, though, that makes the pirate genre different? Well, the two things I'm going to point out, really, the, the success of the individual pirate that I'm talking about and really how he challenged the most powerful countries in the world. So you're talking the Spanish and English armadas who... You know, by all intents and purposes, were the, were the most two powerful, famous fleets 
and yet this one individual is causing them a lot of headaches. I'm excited and, to hear. Um, and really, I love the part two, and I'm going to talk about this early on. He was never caught. So I never think there's an element caught. to that, too. It's like wow. he, he got away with it. Okay. So that, that, that's kind of different and, and kind of cool, too. But his name is Henry Every. And he, he's, I, I think, certainly not as famous as later pirates, like a Blackbeard. Um, his career was very brief. But it may have inspired many of those more famous pirates to actually set sail. And during just the two years he spent kind of on the seas, prowling, looking for, you know, treasures, Every and his band captured roughly a dozen vessels, and here we go, made off with what historians estimate to be tens of millions of dollars. Jeez. So, I mean, he was successful. It was short-lived. It's kind of like a great, you know, athlete who retires early. Um and people don't really know about, and I think that's part of the reason why. Now, remind me of the time period. You're talking uh, like 1690s okay. and, yep. and into the 1700s. Okay. Yeah. So, so from that aspect, we're, we're talking millions of dollars. Right. And, and what's interesting, too, is that during this time, you know, his exploits inspired songs, books, plays. There was, there was one play in particular called The Successful Pirate that was actually performed on London stages for several years. So he was known during this time but kind of got well, lost in the history book. Wow. So most astonishing of all, and unlike Blackbeard and, and a lot of the other more iconic uh, pirates, he did it all without being killed or even captured. So little is known about Every's early life. I mean, he's mentioned periodically in, in different uh, pieces of literature and different historic um, artifacts, but he, he went to sea at a young age. A lot of people speculate that he might have actually even served in the Royal Navy, before becoming uh, a member of the slave trade in the early 1690s. In 1693, Every reappears in the uh, historical record as the first mate of Charles II, who was a privateering vessel hired to plunder French shipping in the, in the Caribbean. So I like that. It's like you're hired to go plunder the opposition. <laughs> Your job is to actually be a pirate for a country, though. So... I mean, the English are challenging the French in the Caribbean where there's a lot of money to be made with, with crops and with things like that, and especially, you know, during the slave trade. So his job is to kind of throw the French off and, and cause them to lose money. And, I mean, we're talking the pinnacle of naval, Oh yeah. you know what I mean, naval yeah. success and skill. Right. Do you think that's one of the reasons why he was such a skillful pirate is because he was in the Navy yeah. itself? You know, I It's mean, funny. It's, it's like he, he, he starts out as an apprentice um, with a very legitimate career and then he kind of just goes rogue <laughs> and uses what he's learned um to to take advantage of people wow yeah okay. so the mission was slow to start and the crew um kind of gets taken advantage of they they spend several months without being paid and that kind of sours uh his view of working for like what i said like legitimate yeah like a, a government service or things like that so in may of 1694 it's interesting. Every capitalizes on poor morale and actually leads the disgruntled crew under Charles II in a mutiny. And upon seizing the Charles II, he announces his intention to turn pirate, which is interesting. Like, I'm <laughs> announcing I'm, I'm becoming a pirate. So he supposedly said, quote, I'm a captain of the ship now. I am bound for Madagascar with the design of making my own fortune." And that of all the brave fellows joined with me. 
So it's interesting, Phil, because I think to myself, like what he's doing is not necessarily um, like a good thing, something we want to, you know, put him up on a pinnacle for or uh, on a pedestal for, but rather like he is a good leader. Um, he's being successful. He's just kind of using, like I said, that success for something bad. So let me get this straight. You have a very skillful Navy seaman. Yes. Who has just announced, I am captain now. Yes. And you had mentioned Captain <laughs> Phillips on. without knowing that. And, then, and as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, man, Phil just mentioned Captain oh Phillips. God. And that's like the most famous line from the movie. But it's interesting. So they're in the Caribbean. He, he's decided, listen, we're not being paid. This isn't right. Um, let's go somewhere where we can make some money. And I'm going to take the people along who are just as disgruntled and unhappy with the scenario and the situation as, as I am. So he renames the Charles II, the fancy. Right? Okay. Hence, yep. hence the name of this episode. Every and his upstart buccaneer set a course toward the southern tip of Africa. Their first raid came soon thereafter when they ransacked three English merchant ships in the Cape Verde Islands. And they continued to plunder their way along the African coastline for the, really the next several months. And they captured anything from French to Danish ships. And along the way, they're picking up new recruits. So I think people, uh, he must have a charisma about him to convince people to, to join him. And people are seeing, hey, you're successful. And there's a lot of wealth to be made in this. So by the time the fancy reaches Madagascar, all right, which had been their goal, in mid-1695, it was just a floating kind of group of some estimates 150 men had on this joined ship? his ranks in, in the, on this ship. Do you have any, any concept of how big comparatively it, I it don't, is? To... I don't. I, I mean, you see pictures of ships along this time, but still 150 men. I think that's a lot had, of men. That's a lot of people. So it must have been pretty, pretty packed. How many did Columbus have? I mean, I'm thinking in those... And, and amongst three ships, right? Correct. That's, right. Yeah. That, that would be interesting to compare. I mean, all we right. could do that after the break. Yeah. But 150 men, it also shows, listen, people are, all right, hey, you know, we were part of this French vessel that just got taken over. Now we're joining this guy. That's Yeah, so, that's pretty incredible. Every's early scores obviously had won him a lot of respect of his crew, but he soon set his sights on a more formidable goal. He had learned that the Mughal Empire fleet out of India was soon to set sail from the Red Sea port of Mocha on a voyage home to Surat, India. Along with carrying Muslim pilgrims returning from their Hajj to Mecca, Phil. Look at that. We teach right? that. Which we, yeah. I mean, that's a central part of what we teach. The Armada would also include several loot-filled merchant vessels and treasure shipped, ships owned by the Grand Mughal of India himself. Wow. So again, this is like something out of a, a movie, right? You have this group of pirates who are just kind of starting out on this career, and they learn about, hey, you know, there's going to be just a, a ship full of gold and treasure on their way to India, right? So I, I kind of I picture like the early Westerns where, hey, this train is going to be passing through here, and it's Full of all this bank's money. This is the train we're going to target, you know, in this robbery. It, yeah. really, it, it sounds very Hollywood-like. So Every and his men uh, took sail. They cruised through the Red Sea in August uh, 1695, prepared to ambush the Mughal uh, Armada. And to ensure that they had significant firepower, they partnered with several other pirate ships, including one called the Amity, which was an American raider captured uh, by the famed buccaneer Thomas II. 
And only a few days later, the pirates spotted the 25-ship Mughal convoy. 25 ships as it raced across the ocean. Every and his group immediately takes off in pursuit, burning or leaving behind the slower ships to keep pace. So he has now several ships in his, but some of these ships are too slow. They're holding him back from keeping up with the more advanced Indian ships. Yeah. So they're, they're consolidating. And along the way, they're burning their own ships in order to keep with the faster ones. Yeah. It's crazy. So most of the fleet slipped away, but the fancy... His original boat successfully ran down a lumbering escort vessel called the the Faith, uh, I want to say, Mamadi. I I, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I'm sure a lot of people know the pronunciation of that. I know, but it bothers me. After a brief (laughs) firefight, the ship surrendered and was relieved of some 50,000 British pounds worth of gold and silver. (laughs) Every and his men resumed the hunt. Later on, September 7th, there are three remaining pirate ships that every was the, um, the, the captain of, caught up with the richest prize in the Indian fleet, the one that actually had the Grand Mughal's, his flagship and his treasure in. Um, it was more than capable of defending itself, all right? The Indians were, you know, they, they knew that these pirates existed. It was the biggest ship in all of India. It boasted several dozen cannons, uh, approximately 400 riflemen, more than the entire pirate fleet combined. So Every gambled on an attack and immediately scored a devastating blow when one of his first cannon volleys cut down um, the Indian main mast. So the main sail is down. Okay. All right, so it's, yeah, it's able to defend itself, but it really can't escape anything. The Indian defenders then fell into disarray after one of their artillery pieces malfunctioned and exploded on board. Every brought the fancy alongside Again, sounding just like something out of a movie. The crippled Mughal ship and sent a boarding party scurrying onto its deck. A fierce hand-to-hand battle ensued, but the Indian soldiers were driven back after their captain abandoned them. And according to one account, the cowardly officer took refuge below deck and actually ordered a group of slave females to fight in his place. What? I'm going to go hide out out deck. You guys just fight, and good luck. Uh, after dispatching the leaderless Mughal resistance, the pirates sacked and brutalized the passengers on this Indian ship. Uh, the men were tortured and killed. Um, the, the women were either either thrown overboard or enslaved. So this, listen, if you, if you liked Every up until this point, it kind of sours your, your view on him. The quote um, that a later hi- Indian historian wrote, the whole of the ship came under their control and they carried away all of the gold and silver. And after having remained engaged for a week in searching for plunder, um, stripping the men of their clothes, and dishonoring everyone else on board, they left the ship and its passengers to their fate, just abandoned them in what was left on this ship. With no food, nothing to to take care of themselves, they just left them floating on the ocean. Um, And that's really, I mean, that epitomizes what a pirate is. Right, very di- little disregard for the people that you're you're plundering. So the gold, silver, and jewels taken during the um, the attack were worth an estimated something between three hundred twenty-five thousand and six hundred thousand British pounds. At, in, in the on that one ship, that Indian wow. flagship. 
that he was able to capture on the way back to Mughal, India. That's what they're they're estimating it to be. Not 2024 money, though, right? Unbelievable. 17th, 18th century money? Right. Jeez. Right. So after dividing up the spoils, Avery and his crew weighed anchor and set a course for the pirate-friendly Bahamas. Huh. All right. We're actually, at this point in history, this was like a safe haven. All right. And upon arriving uh, at New Providence, they posed as slavers, bribed the island's governor into letting them come ashore. Every also handed over the battle-scarred fancy and a small fortune in ivory tusks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back from the break. Phil Schaff here with Phil Horner. Phil, this could be a missing chapter first. Hmm. We actually had some breaking news while we were on break. Yeah. And that is the fact that Pucks and Tawny Phil did not, in fact, see a shadow. We are inching towards spring faster than we thought that's right so we'll take uh, it i know this is going to air in uh late february and this is kind of old news for everybody else but it's exciting for us because it was breaking news i feel like a newscaster here so i'm not actually breaking the news to anybody because no one's going to hear this but hey this is exciting for us yeah number two i i'd be remiss to if i didn't mention um a a fan of ours and and we got talking about this at the very beginning of the episode we're at almost a hundred thousand downloads um, and we have, you know, interaction with everybody. And just recently, my wife got a text that uh, her friend Michelle's brother, um, Greg, and his son Brandon listened to the missing chapter. And thank you to Michelle for, for encouraging them to listen. And looking at a text from Greg to Michelle, I, I'm actually reading texts. These, these guys are like, are you kidding me? I can't share anything with anybody. And now they're reading texts. Um, I started from the beginning. The second one about the Mayflower is amazing. It gave me goosebumps hearing all of the descendants of John Holland and Elizabeth Tilly. So, Greg, Brandon, thank you guys so much for listening. Interact with us. Send us a message. We'll, we'll include more of your uh, responses on, yeah. on our podcast. Thanks, fellas. Um, okay, back to your episode, Phil. So, on the break, I did some Googling and found out that Christopher Columbus did, in fact, have 90 crew, of course, across three, three ships. Um, so 150 is yeah. pretty big when you compare some of those things. Now, granted, it's about 100 years after Columbus, but it, it, the idea, I'm trying to get a grasp on how big this ship was. And thankfully, I, I do some extra research because the first the first one I clicked on, I was like, oh, this looks cool. What's this? Henry Avey's Fancy 14. And then I realized it's a die-cast model. So when I looked at the height, width, and length, and it was 14 inches by 3 inches by 12 inches high, I said to myself, wait, what? And I almost read it. And I said, wait, nope, not going to read that one on there. That's a model of the fancy, not an actual. At least you caught yourself. Okay. So anyway, you left us off with finding an exorbitant amount of money, Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. gold, of treasure. Yeah. Uh, Kind of, it started out as like, hey, this guy's a pretty cool guy. And now we're starting to see some of the veil get torn off and say, wait a second, not so much of a great guy. Yeah, you know what, Phil? I, I was comparing this to like a Hollywood script. And I guess you could make a, a comparison, a parallel between pirates in the 1690s like uh, Avery and <clears throat> maybe some of the, the mobsters, yep. you know, of, of, of American history. And it, it kind of reminded me, believe it or not, of the movie Goodfellas. With Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro? Yes. After they were successful in their big heist, what happened? They became almost paranoid that they were going to get found out. And the FBI really honed in on what they were doing and started to crack down on organized crime. So 
Here's what I mean by all of that. While Every and his men are relaxing in New Providence's pubs in the Bahamas, English authorities scramble to deal with the political fallout from the raid. All right. Okay. The, the fact that they accomplished their goal and and went after this this ship that belonged to to the you know the Indian royalty, and really, I mean, were able to steal hundreds of thousands of British pounds. I mean, there's got to be a response to this. There's got to be fallout from this. So the attack by Every and his and his crew had driven the Grand Mughal into an absolute rage. Mm -hmm. And he responded by arresting several high rank, uh, higher-ups in the English East India Company. Okay. Almost like a paranoia. paranoia. He believed it had conspired uh, against him and helped this happen. And fearing the cancellation uh, of their very valuable trade agreements, the English East India Company uh, actually compensated the Mughals from what was stolen and vowed to bring the pirates to justice. The East India Company and the Royal Navy, uh, their vessels were soon scouring the seas, searching for the fancy, and a large bounty was placed specifically on Every's head. No one would get a chance to collect it, however, and I mentioned this very early on. Having made really one of the historically largest scores, so to speak, Every and his pirates scattered uh, after only a short stay in the Caribbean. And we said, listen, in a very short period of time, this guy had, had decided, I'm going to become a pirate. He's successful in one of the biggest heists. Yep. And now he's, he's doing what a lot of people in history who are in his position didn't do. They're cutting their, their victories and kind of, hey, let's survive from here on out. Right. Um, where I think a lot of people, it's almost like gambling. It's like you keep going. You've gotten that high. Every did not experience that. He got the high, but he's going to say, hey, listen, it, it, it's going to cost me my life if I continue down this path because I'm going to get caught. So instead, they scatter. And it's every man for himself. So a few of his men were later rounded up, executed by, by um, the British. But the vast majority, the overwhelming majority, escaped to places in Europe and in the American colonies. And Every's very own fate remains something of a mystery. He's believed to have sailed to Ireland under the name Bridgman. Um, but a, a few documents where people draw parallels to maybe physical appearance, it could be him. Well, the trail goes cold after that. Hmm. Um, most of his contemporaries believed he, he made a clean getaway, retired, um, laid a, uh, lived a very uh, good life based on what he had uh, been able to capture. A few fictional works even described him as starting his own pirate haven in Madagascar, going back to where he had originally set out to, to, um, to go and live. Years later, another tale would resurfing, resurface, claiming Every had returned to his native England to settle down, uh, only to be um, manipulated out of his fortune by corrupt merchants. But they're all kind of hypotheses. And according to that version, the so-called King of the Pirates died poor and anonymous, not being worth as much as, as would have buy him uh, the wood to, to make a coffin. But wow. again, to this day, I guess the best pirates are the ones that are successful, but also the ones who are able to kind of intentionally move into obscurity, live out their lives based on what they were able to steal. And we don't know what really became of them. So not to deviate too much from this, yeah. but when you mentioned the East India Company, now the, the two that we talk about the most uh, and are probably the most popular, the British East India Company and the Dutch East India yeah. Company. So the, 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 the two uh, 
these these two at its height were unbelievably wealthy. Yeah. So when you start talking, you me- you mentioned this guy's interaction mm-hmm. with these these companies. To to put it in perspective, I did some uh, research to give you some specifics, listeners. So 12 million British pounds at its height in 1805 was the British East India Company, which is nearly equivalent to uh, about a billion pounds in modern currency. But the Dutch East India Company is equivalent to, ready, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Bank of America, ExxonMobil, Facebook, Wells Fargo, Johnson & Johnson, Samsung, AT&T, McDonald's, Netflix, Visa, uh, Walmart, Chevron, and there's a few other ones, $7.9 trillion in modern America. Right. So, right, so much so that they almost had more power than the British. So when the British knew they were going to be upset, and this could influence, I mean, the, the, the actions of every could impact the relationship between Britain and the East India Company. They, they compensated them. They said, here, listen, we don't want you upset. You're worth too much to us. Right. You know, we're going we're gonna to make up for the, lost, um, for the lost money. I mean, that tells you something. But I just find it fascinating that someone in such a short period of time was able to pull off such an amazing accomplishment and steal that amount of money. And then on top of that, just say, listen, um, I'm not going to push the envelope any farther. I'm going to just, listen, move on and give this lifestyle up is, is pretty remarkable, too. I'd love to know for sure what, what became of him, though. Yeah, I think the the... The ties to Goodfellas, I think, is a very appropriate yeah. one because once you have the target on your back, now you have to live in obscurity. So it's, right. we actually do uh, a little bit of that with our classes sometimes. Would you rather you know, live under a powerful dictator and have all the money in the world right. or be a little impoverished uh, but have your freedoms? And it, it, I think after something like this where you're the very lucrative business of, of stealing exorbitant amounts of wealth, and now, what do you do with it? Because yeah. you can't really live it out. Right. And where do I go from here? But his, his idea that I'm just going to try and, and survive, you know, um, beyond this is pretty amazing. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. I'm Phil Shaw. And I'm Phil Horander. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.